Hello, I'm Eric Devin, and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show on today, March 9th, 2017. Joining me is Jeff through the ashes of midweek football are, as always, Adam White and Nathan Staples. But first, a brief update on the results of said matches. Paris Saint-Germain traveled to Barcelona in the Champions League round of 16, nursing a 4-0 lead from the first leg. The results, a controversial 6-1 win for the host. Did see Barcelona progress on aggregate. There's better news for French football in the match that just finished a few minutes ago. Lyon were also in midweek action at the Parc OL, turned in a gutty performance to come back from 2-1 deficit to top Roma 4-2. So without further ado, gents, uh, we will get started with uh, the match from last night. That would be PSG's loss to Barcelona. Nathan, we'll start with you. Uh, we, we had some interesting team choices from Unai Emery. One in particular I'd like to start with is Thiago Silva. I published a piece in The Guardian earlier today about this, and I wanted to know, uh, first of all, what, what are your Jets' thoughts on this? I mean, we had Presnel Kempembe and Marquinhos keep a clean sheet against Barcelona three weeks ago. Silva has been out of physical form, out of mental form this season. Was it the right call to start him? With, again, hindsight beating 2020, no, um, because he did struggle in this one. Um, and so, but at the same time, I, I, a lot of the blame is being pinned on Thiago Silva, who did struggle. Um, but there wasn't a single player out there that didn't at least put in a, a relatively poor performance other than maybe Cavani. But <laughs> Silva this season has been a little bit different. It seems like the games are starting to finally take a physical and possibly a mental toll on him. Um, he doesn't seem as sharp as he, do, as he did positionally. Um, his recovery speed is not quite as uh, where it was before. Um, so that starts to worry you, especially when how well Presnel Kimpembe was in that initial game with Marquinhos as well. But um, I think Marquinhos gets off a little bit lightly at the same time because he was definitely at fault for the first two goals that really opened the door for Barcelona early on. Um, a poor defensive header kept the ball in the area for Suarez to score and uh, he was very weak Nathan? Hmm? Have I dropped? No, you're, you're there, go ahead Or not Anything? Why don't you try rejoining, Adam? What What are your thoughts on the uh, Thiago Silva Kimpembe debate? I I think it's an interesting one. I I think it's very difficult to say that Thiago Silva should have been dropped for this game. I know that Kimpembe was brilliant in the first leg. He was absolutely fantastic, and so was Marquinhos. They were great against against Barcelona in that first game. But Thiago Silva, he came top of our Get French Football News 100 Players in France last year. He's the PSG captain. He's one of the still one of the best centre backs in the world. You can't not play him. I I know that they were brilliant in that first game, but it was the obvious choice. You had to bring him in. Imagine if they hadn't and they hadn't gone through as well. It, it, it had to happen. But I agree that his performance was possibly the worst I've seen in a PSG shirt from him. I just felt like there was absolutely no leadership watching that game, watching the, the, the amount of, the amount of just sheer opportunities that Barcelona sort of willed into existence and him and Marquinhos between them, but Silva is sort of the prime example, sort of failed to combat anything. I felt like it was, it was so weak, such a weak captaincy performance from Silva and just a weak defensive performance that it just, they just crumbled and, and he was the main catalyst for that in my opinion. Yeah, I think there's also something to be said, too, for the idea that not only in terms of performance, that 
dropping Silva could potentially represent a sea change here on the, on the part of PSG's evolution as a club. Mm -hmm. I, initially, we talked about how this team had brought in players, uh, the likes of Silva, Thiago Mata, Marco Baratti, Pastore, uh, trying to build the team financially. But recently this season, we've seen good performances for, from the likes of players who are academy products, that being Rabiot, Kunku, Kimpembe, and, and really start to impress, really start to look like more of an organically built team. And mm. I think there's also something you said for the message that dropping Silva was sent in terms of this is now a team that can confidently build in a way that's organic, in a way that's sustainable, in a way that makes sense. It's not just, you know, the Manchester City model of, I know Manchester City have had some young players come through as well, Iannaccio being a prime example. But building a team for success in Europe needs to be done in terms of a team that's built holistically, not simply with piles of cash. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I think I think that the possibly the the thing that really sticks out for me in terms of what what you're saying there is that sort of that holistic approach. With Barcelona, there are players in that team that you feel winning for Barcelona means something to the group, not just to the individual players, but to the group. There's, there's a, there's a, their link to the club is, is, is community and sort of societally based, if you like. I know that the PSG players, perhaps this may be a little bit harsh in some of them, but I know they, they, they very much care about, about progressing in, in this competition and as they care each other about each other as a group. But I don't know that there's that anchor, that sort of anchor that Barcelona have, that other big teams have, that really roots the team in, in the local community and in, in that club's history and that club's tradition. I don't think PSG have that. They're missing that core of players. Rabiot is perhaps the only one that represents that that's a regular, really. I know that Kimpembe has been good this season, has played a bit, and he would be another one. But I feel like they're lacking that spine. When you look at Barcelona yesterday, you've got Iniesta, you've got Messi, you've got even Sergio Roberto, players like that who've come through the academy. Um, PK as well. They've got that. They're rooted in Barcelona. Barcelona means something to them. I don't know if Paris Saint-Germain means something really as to like really ingrained in that squad. It doesn't necessarily in on a individual and a group basis. I think it's it's a little bit perhaps like Manchester City, and I think they had the same issue that it's a little bit shallow in those terms. And PSG emotionally have lacked emotional strength and and physical and sort of mental fortitude for such a long time, and it really showed yesterday to the. To, painful extent to be honest and they just crumbled and I, I feel like they're lacking that core of sort of emotional and, and mental strength and it's come mm. from it's come from that but no I, I i would absolutely not disagree the other player that i wanted to ask about coming to you nathan is angel di maria if this player is fit enough to play 40 plus minutes why doesn't he get the start he totally changed the match upon coming on for me i know people might have might be issuing some takedowns on him for failing to square that ball to cavani but why doesn't he start? I don't know. Is probably the simple answer to that. I, you think that, the, especially in recent games, they've not started Lucas in favour of Angel Di Maria because of his preferred performances and his improvement in, in the last couple of weeks since Traxler's come into the team. But you would think that if a player is only available for, I think they were saying about 60 minutes, surely 60 minutes should be from the start. And it seemed unusual that... I don't think Lucas is any better of a defensive player, and certainly not. So I don't. And when you start watching the Brazilian's performance, he gave the ball away numerous times um, in the first half, especially where he just he seemed to gift Barcelona possession on, on regular occasions, and it just invited more pressure onto them. And, and you're right. In the second half, Di Maria pulled that away. He was good on the counter attack when they got the opportunity to ch uh, to do so. He maybe one or two passes here, maybe should score the goal, maybe should 
across for Cavani. There's here's and there's, but he certainly made a difference to a team that needed a, a goal at that point. And then with the second one, if they could have got it, it would have absolutely completely killed the tie. But it does bring to question of, yet, yeah, like you say, his Emery's choices and players again. The midfield seemed to, for, for at least what they wanted to do, which is sit back and defend, it seemed unusual. They were constantly within their own 30 yards, every single player. And I, I couldn't understand it. They had no outlet. They had no one available on the break, especially in the first half. So it's puzzling why they didn't have someone like Di Maria, who's not as much of if. I don't think Lucas is that much of a better defensive presence than him, if that was the reason why he chose him. No, the other thing, too, is that the role that Lucas is being asked to do, I mean, he tended to cut infield and provide more support for the midfield centrally rather than tracking, tracking back in wide areas, as Di Maria was doing, or offering an outlet on the counter, as you rightly said. So certainly they were asked to do different things. But continuing now, on now to my final question about personnel selection, did Emery get it wrong at the end to bring on Krakowiak? Or should he have kept more balance in the side with Mounier playing as a sort of makeshift right winger? Adam, we'll send that one to you first. Um, I think it's, it's, almost, it's, it's almost perhaps picking, sort of clutching at straws a little bit. To that. It feels like would that change if he'd, if he'd made the opposite change? Would it have made too much of a difference? Perhaps it was a little bit, a little bit facetious to, to to change like that, and and you know not keeping Munier on that that right wing, which he's played a couple of times before, and he's obviously a little bit more defensively minded, well, much more defensively minded than perhaps any other players to use there, and it keeps a bit more balance. But to to be criticised for what 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 in the end is 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 a small decision, I feel is it is one of the things that perhaps has come off a little bit harshly on on Emery. I, I feel like the game was lost in in other areas and in other decisions, perhaps. So. Yes, perhaps Kukovic perhaps was a surprise making the squad for me. I think he's been very, very disappointing to say the least this season. And and I was surprised to see him in there, especially with Nkunku not, who's who in the opposite terms is not a big money sign. Obviously, he's come through the youth academy and has been brilliant this season. So on merit, Nkunku should be in the squad. And it would seem that perhaps even that was the wrong decision. But for me, it seems like a pretty small one to to, to level Emery's feet, given the, the the amount of things that did go wrong in the game. All right, Nathan, are they players that could take credit from this match? Oh, good question. Um, maybe Cavani, even though he's un- he really should probably score the one chance he gets, and he's but he's unlucky with the one that is the post, and he scores a fine goal. Uh, I think his work rate was decent. Say he was told to track back, and maybe he could have applied more pressure to PK when they push forward with those back three. If if he managed to sneak the ball off him, it wouldn't might have been an interesting counter-attack, but he's the only player really that comes away with anything. I think the goalkeeper was poor and indecisive too regularly. This was the old trap instead of the new trap, which is uh, extra worrying for Paris Saint-Germain. The defence was awful for the entire game. Uh, the centre-backs were bad. The full-backs were even worse. Uh, Kizawa might as well not have played the game. Yeah. Um, the midfield was... It felt like, especially Rabiot and, and Matuidi were just chasing shadows all night and just trying to find some kind of position in the field and they repeatedly lost the ball. Verratti was maybe overplaying too often. Um, he admits that that's a fault in himself, that he always feels like he has to play that way, but that really played into Barcelona's hands. And Lucas and Draxler were just non-existent passengers from the majority of the game, other than I thought Draxler was a little bit better in the second half when he, he did have a little bit more space. But... Uh, 
it was just such an abject poor performance. And and I think this has been mentioned enough that the the fact that I don't think Barcelona ever really shifted into high gear to really push out this result. Mm. The fact that that was such a emphasis that it didn't even I can't believe they scored six goals last night they were nowhere near good enough to score three really I don't think Barcelona ever really looked like a a, a great threat you think that two of the goals are penalties two of the goals are dreadful defensive mistakes one's an absolutely sensational free kick and then it's just a lob ball that the defense doesn't react to they just stand still every single one of them in that box for that last moment and that was the difference and it seems strange to say that the probably Europe's best ever comeback was middling in all honesty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't tend to disagree with that assessment of Barcelona's performances, uh, but keeping with the hosts, uh, Adam was diving an issue or as Marco Verratti said, was this result not down to the officials? Should Barcelona have even had a chance? I, th- I think that's very magnanimous of Verratti to say that, but I think if if that penalty the for, for Suarez's penalty doesn't get given immediately after Neymar's free kick, they don't win the game. Um or they don't win the tie, sorry, obviously they can't win the game. But they don't win the tie. I, and I think it, it was it was a very much referee affected the result. Obviously Neymar's free kick is absolutely brilliant and you're thinking at four one Okay, there's sort of there's a very vague hope with what injury time they might get added on, and they need two. It's possible, but to get that penalty immediately, which in no way is a penalty for me at all, to to get it immediately and then have five minutes of injury time, which I'm still not sure where they got five minutes from. To be honest, I don't know where they got three minutes from in the first half. I that was that was mental as well. I didn't understand that in in the slightest. So I think without that penalty, that ball runs out of play. Then PSG have a chance to calm it down a little bit, and they've had to waste a couple more minutes, and it doesn't happen. So I think. That is one example of it being referee affected. It was definitely partially to blame, definitely not wholly to blame, but it's sort of a snowball thing. But it's definitely it's something you can point to. And, and in fair enough, as I know, it's very difficult to to say oh, that you know it's sort of a bit silly to blame the referees and say you know. But it it definitely was partially to blame. I felt like there was a, a period she had a massive penalty shot in the first half for me, where Mascarona sides in and the ball hits his arm, and I thought those kind of penalties get given all the time. And it almost felt like the referee said, no, it's too early to end this game. If by PSG score, it was. And and I felt there were a couple of decisions that felt very, very uh, sort of unfortunate for PSG's point of view. So it's it's very it's very manner of variety to say that, but I think in reality it has to has to go down as partially down down to the refereeing decisions. Mm. Certainly, a lot of contributing factors here. Nathan, mm. what about the future? Unai Emery has had a chance to put a mark on this team. He seemed to have done so throughout January and February, but. He seems to have failed at the biggest stage. Does he go now? Does he go at the end of the season? Does he get another chance next season? No. Um, I've got a piece coming out tomorrow about Emery's future, and it's gone, in all honesty. I can't see him recovering from this. Nasser Hale-Halife has also laid his own bed in this, that he sacked Laurent Blanc for instantly less. <laughs> I mean, Blanc, yes, made mistakes against Manchester City, but he reached the quarterfinals and won every cup. Um, Emery's already gone out of the round of 16. He can win every cup and he's still done worse than Laurent Blanc did last season. Uh, that's unacceptable for what they're aiming for in, in the end. And if he keeps him, then what was the point in sacking Laurent Blanc, really? Because you could have kept him for another year. Yes, it was a bad decision against Man City, but you you can learn from those mistakes when you've done so much for a club. Um, I mean, he ran away with the league last season. There was no question that they were going to league, league, win league game from about five weeks in. It, with 10 games to go, I can't say that Paris Saint-Germain will win the league. And after this, 
I'm not so sure that they'll keep contending. I mean, there's a massive game in a couple of weeks as well in the Coupe de France final now. If they lose to Monaco, I think he goes straight after that game. Um, they might give him a couple more weeks, but if they lose that, he's lost a domestic trophy. He's lost the Champions League at an earlier stage. I think it's, for me, past the point of no return from what I see on paper, whether I agree with it or not. Um, no, but I didn't agree with Blanc sacking in the first place. But he's failed on a number of fronts. He's failed to adapt the team, to put his mark on the team, really, because he wanted that 4-2-3-1. That didn't work. They went back to the 4-3-3. That, he's still not really laid a marker on the fact of taking Thiago Silva out of the team permanently or taking out his favourites too often. He's still bowing to that pressure. Um, and this team is stagnating in all honesty we, he went from hero to zero very quickly in the fact that he went to hero within a one game performance against Barcelona that completely trans it was against everything that told us from the rest of the season and he then has gone back to zero by having the humiliating defeat that is probably more encapsulating of what their current season has been so uh, yeah he's gone alright Adam does he get a little bit of credit for the improvement that he he had overseen in the last couple of months, or is it is this result just too much? It's a, it's a very difficult one to judge. I do agree, at least to some extent, with what Nathan Nathan is saying. And I I I I honestly thought that he'd been sacked almost after the game last night. I was looking on Twitter, and there's sort of rumours that he, that he might have been. And it honestly wouldn't have surprised me if if he had. But I think. It's very easy to say that after this this result, that the the four no in the first leg doesn't doesn't matter, and I think that's partially true. It kind of does overwrite it, especially in emotional terms. It does for PSG, and I feel like the players that are gonna, uh, that played last night will probably carry this around much like the Brazil players did when they lost seven one to Germany in the World Cup. To, not as bad, but it's not far off um, for the rest of their careers. So there is that to some extent but I feel like that that 4-0 win still has some sort of impact because that's something that Laurent Blanc never did all right they've lost 6-1 last night they were terrible it was a it was a, it was a terrible terrible performance they, com they completely crumbled like an England backing collapse, batting collapse it was like that but that Laurent Blanc never got a result like that in Champions League and it, it never even it's barely a result is it but then he never got a performance over 90 minutes like that in the Champions League or even really came close to it in a big game. So there was definitely some progression. I was beginning to feel like PSG looked like a side that could challenge on European on the European stage, looked like they were streetwise enough to compete with the bigger teams. Um, and and that, that improvement was definitely, at least in that game, was a, was a step up from what Laurent Blanc had ever offered in, in the knockout rounds, at least. So he does have that to, to, you know, to defend him, if you like. Last night was, was obviously, obviously this has a lot to the opposite, but... I still think that may count for something. So, I'll, honestly, I honestly, I can see where Nathan's coming. That you know, it's barely a, overall. It's not really an improvement on Blanc at all. But I, I feel like there's building blocks there. Perhaps, like maybe, maybe just he might get another season and and see how they go in Europe next year. And maybe he deserves that given given the improvement that they show and they haven't looked like the imperious PSG we know and and able to. Let's not forget that that you know this was overall it was still six five in aggregate. They 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 mixed it in the first leg. They were very very good. Rabiot looked fantastic. They played really well in that in that game and, and deserved to win win that game four 0 as well. So that there there's a caveat to what Nathan's saying. I I'm not I'm not saying that uh, this definitely means that Emery gets another year or gets anything else or even lasts to, to the Lorient game at the weekend. But uh, there is there is something to take from it. It's, it's small, but there is there is some very tiny positives from that first leg still. 
obviously last night is just <laughs> blows out of the water, but that there is still something to take, I think, for, for M from at least M from Emery's point of view. I don't know whether the, the hierarchy of the club or the fans will feel like that, or you know, in French football in general. But there is something there. Now, I, I do appreciate what you're where you're coming from there, Adam. I, and I would have to agree that there are there are positive signs. He Emery had built this up and built this up, working these young players. I think there's something to be said for Jonathan Dakone, who's on loan at Mar- or, uh, Montpellier as well. He looks like he could become a useful squad player next year. I mean, I know he's been injured since making his loan move, but he had looked impressive in flashes before making that move. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of moves, um, something to be said for Emery's ability to develop that squad. I think Mounier uh, being given the chance, I know he was poor on the evening last night, but being the chance to go ahead of Aurier, I think was another thing that shouldn't be undersold here, uh, given the reputations of the two players prior to the season. I don't think people had really heard of Thomas Mounier before the Euros, if they're being honest themselves unless they're diehard Belgian football fans uh, so yeah he had made moves forward and, and I think that uh, you know if he's willing to understand uh, you know how his personnel choices have affected this team and continue to develop on the good things he's shown particularly in the last two months I think there there may be there may be just the slightest bit of hope for him but I know that we've seen you know as Nick Nurently mentioned other managers being dismissed for less, it just doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't look good for Emery's future. Uh, so, Nathan, coming to you, replacements. We've seen Arsene Wenger been mentioned, Diego Simeone been mentioned, Manuel Pellegrini's in China. He's got quite a bit of European experience. Ronald Koeman, if he doesn't get the Barcelona job, you know, could be another one as well. Someone with extensive European experience. Who who looks like the best suited match? Uh, not not, and if it's another name as well, I feel free to f- throw that out there. It's a tough one, isn't it? I I think they they may be hanging on hope for someone like Arsene Wenger. I don't think that's a bad choice. Maybe a a, a fresh start for him and a, a, a manager with great experience, great pedigree, great um, great strides with young players as well. Maybe that's a right move for them in the sense of. He's the a, a big name manager that might be out there. I think Simeone will be a fantastic one, but I don't see him leaving Atletico Madrid just yet. And if he does, I think he goes to Italy yet. Um, I think he's got that as his next sort of destination on his map, unless a really big job comes up in England. Um, Pellegrini is a, a decent shout. I think I, I thought he was maybe a little bit ousted from... Man City are unceremoniously for doing a decent job, although obviously they they got a pretty good manager to replacement. And in all honesty, for Ronald Koeman, I think it's it's too early these rumours for everyone out from everyone really for Koeman. I I don't think I've seen enough from him at this Everton stage where he's he's he, they have got better, but I don't think he's quite got that pedigree. But you're right in the sense of replacements is the big issue because who do you bring in to replace Emery who's who is of the right standard uh, at this moment in time it's tough to tell but you, you try and think of the the managers around Europe or, or ones that might be available it's tough it really is it's re- it's a really attractive job to someone who does want it and does feel like they can take that next step maybe if they're a middle tier manager um, or upper middle tier I say someone like uh, Thomas Tuchel or something like that maybe might be an interesting one to add into the, into the fire if they could get him um, but yeah it's a bit that's why I think they'll probably give him to the end of the season yet yeah, Emery but 
there's the the options out there. It is a bit of a a bit of a tough one at the recent in recent times. Really, I don't I don't think there's anyone out there that really stands out as someone other than maybe Simeone as someone who would definitely be a really good pickup. It's a bit harsh on Komen now after a 15-year uh, career, multiple titles at Ajax. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, 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 your point is certainly well taken. I, I don't think that even given the experience he's had with the likes of Benfica and Ajax, uh, PSG is, you know, as, as much as Ajax have been a good team in the past, I think that their, their ambitions are certainly a different stratosphere than where Komen's performed. Uh, just to conclude this discussion, I know we've, you know, we've hammered poor PSG. Uh, Adam, finally for you, the players. Um, who needs to stay? Who needs to be given an expanded role? Silva signed that contract extension back in December. That's maybe perhaps looking like a bit of an albatross. Uh, Blazing Tweedy had looked to move on in the summer. He did stay. Uh, who should move on? And what about additions? Uh, I know this is going to sound controversial coming from a Leon fan, but for me, Alexander Lacazette looks like the ideal addition to PSG's squad right now. It's an interesting one. Yeah, um, I think perhaps perhaps Lacazette would be a very, very worthwhile signing, obviously. But I think, uh, is, it, is he really an upgrade on Cavani at the moment? It would have to be if Cavani left. If Cavani left, yes, Lacazette would be a great a great replacement for, for, for PSG in that century striker role. Um, but looking at the rest of the squad, I think... It's not necessarily in terms of personnel. You have to you have to think that you have to. It's quite obvious from from the squad about how much money they spent, how much how much quality they have in 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 every position. Uh, the only the only major one, the only decision for me in terms of current personnel they have to make whether to leave is well to two is Thiago Silva and Blaise Matuidi. For me, Matuidi's been poor for eighteen months, if not more. And last night was he under went kind of under the radar with the rest of the, the team playing so badly, but he was pretty terrible last night and has not impressed me for for a long, long time. And so maybe it's time for him to move on. Thiago Silva, he's 32 now. He's also not been particularly impressive for for a long, long time. We saw in the first leg that Kimpembe and Marquinhos could could hold the fort pretty well without him. So maybe it's time for him to be moved along. Perhaps they might get a decent fee. You, you might go to somewhere like some, an, a team that will buy big players for seemingly no reason, like Manchester United. Maybe somewhere like that he, he, he might move along to. Maybe he suits Mourinho's style. So perhaps those who need to go. I, and in terms of additions, it's very difficult to say that there's anybody really out there who would be affordable and... Um, well, they've obviously got a lot of resources, but would be acquirable, if you like, that would be would want to move to PSG and would be in a position to, to make the sort of step up to PSG rather than it being a lateral or downward move. Perhaps Electric Sanchez might be a good shout if, if he can be... If he if he if he's unhappy as he looks at Arsenal at the moment, perhaps he would be a, a good a good call. But uh, is is he he's probably is an upgrade on Di Maria and Draxler probably quite comfortably. So that maybe that's one area. But I'm not saying it's saying that feels like it. Me saying they're weak in those areas and they're not weak. It's, it feels like the 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 issue is not necessarily personnel based. It's mental and. They, they 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 should take your advice, Eric. I think, and bring through those younger players and really get that core of French, French, and well, not to say French, but players that have come through the academy, players that have that hold PSG close close to themselves and really feel like they want to win for this club and that Paris is really rooted in their that is ingrained in their in their in their careers and in their psyche. I think that's more important than going and spending thirty million on a couple of other players to replace someone's for a slight upgrade on something, uh, which is what they've done so many times already and it hasn't really worked. So I think it's philosophy that needs to change rather than personnel.
Mm. No, I can't say I disagree with that. I mean, I know Guedes has been a younger player that's been brought in, but he's looked really off the boil. I know that he has. We had uh, the thing with Guedes though is that he's come from Portugal and and he's he's he, although he's younger and he's a prospect and he could develop. I I don't know that he's someone that is. You know, he, he is he really is, is PSG something that really matters to him? I, I don't I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm being a bit harsh, mm-hmm. but, but it's difficult to say. I mean, certainly the wage packet he's on, I'm sure, will have been, been an improvement from what he'd been receiving at Benfica. Yeah. So I think if there's, unless there's another burning point that either of you have on this match that should conclude our discussion after an enjoyable half an hour, uh, to move on to Leon and their opposite enthralling game from earlier in this, earlier this evening. Uh, it's good to see the team play with a good attacking intent, but once again, defensive errors, particularly Mucharji Akabi, have left the tie in the balance. Um, so, Nathan, coming to you, were Leon lucky? Was this a fair result? Their second half performance justified the justify the final margin? Yeah, I think I think that their second half definitely justified it. I thought they were really, really excellent in the second half. In fact, they were. They played with a verve. They played with a bit more confidence. I think in that first half, they were maybe a little bit reluctant to play against uh, Roma, who can be so good on the counter and have really good players in those midfield areas and attacking areas. But they really took the game to them in the second half, I thought. I thought uh, Lacazette was very good in his movement and he scored an excellent fourth, which I think could be a really, really important goal, that last goal. Um, To go 4-2 back to Roma is really, really important. I thought Tolisso was very good. I thought Gazal, especially well, in the first half, I thought he, he was a bit middling, but in the second half, he certainly was much better. Fakir came on and, and, and performed admirably. Valbuena was good. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a really positive performance from Leon. I'm, I'm one, especially from what I've seen in the last few weeks. I know I've not seen them live recently, but it's the first time in a while. But they certainly looked a little bit more intentive there were still a couple of lapses in concentration at the back but they looked a little bit better with Jalet back on and they, they settled with um less pressure on them at least in the second half but uh, yeah i think it was a really justified performance with that like i say the the second period in mind they really deserve to go with a 4-2 victory and they can go with a lot of hope to the stadio olimpico that you know the roma will need at least two goals to start with and a goal on on Leon's end makes it 5-2 and, and three goals for Roma might be a little bit of an uphill challenge. So, yeah, real positive result. The only disappointment, like I say, is that the two away goals might come back to bite them, but they'll take what they got out. Well, against probably the, other than Manchester United, the other best team in this left in this tournament, they'll absolutely take that. Uh, they would have to agree. Uh, Adam, well, let's talk a little bit more about Alexander Lacazette. We had some of our favourite correspondents on Twitter, Lana DeWood and uh, Eric Helberg mentioning his link-up play, 100% passing completion rate. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen that from an attacking player. 37 passes attempted, 37 passes completed. How in, how important was he, and how does this put him in, put him in, in standing for the national team, which will be decided on next th- next Thursday? By the way, mm. it's a very um, very interesting question. I first of all, he's he's kind of quietly gone about his business this season it feels like perhaps this season he's there's been something slightly different in the way he's performed perhaps in previous seasons he's been 
a little bit more sort of to, for want of a better word flashy he's sort of been he's you know been he's made headlines perhaps and he's 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 put in landmark performances and he's got hat tricks there and he's been he's been you know it's sort of been a little bit up and down but this season i think he's for the first time in a little uh, quite a while he's been much more consistent and obviously today he was it showed that that really that really showed through i should say sorry not just in his goal scoring obviously he scored he scored that very important goal you mentioned at the end but his all-round play is really developed and he's showing that consistency that he can consistently play at a high level which i think for him is really important because for me even though he had that brilliant season where they challenged for the league title and he was good last year in spells as well that that consistency has been something that has he's lacked in his game whereas this season he's not been like he's not been the, the player that everyone's talking about perhaps like cavani he's not he's not necessarily been the the transformers haven't been flying around all over the place that they have before perhaps a little bit helped by all last but he's sort of quietly gone about his business. He's quietly scored quite a few goals. And his link-up play and his all-round development has really, really jumped on. And I think not just tonight, but especially in the last since Christmas and much before as well, he's looked like the complete forward. And I don't know if he's looked like the complete forward consistently enough in previous years. So I think it's it's, it's a very interesting situation for Lean going forward. Does he leave in the summer? I, I think quite possibly. Um, and whether they go without him, perhaps the pie moves into the middle. Perhaps they, they've got other tricks up their sleeve. They've got other. They've got the money from that signing to move on in other directions. But for Lacazette, I feel like his career is about to take the next step, and he's proven that he's ready to take that step. And perhaps winning the Europa League this year, Liam, which is looks more possible now after this brilliant win and going back to the Stadio Olimpico with that with those two that two goal lead, they, they're definitely favourites for this game. And perhaps uh, apart from Man United, they're the next best game, next best team in the, in this competition. So it could be that that's that. Quietly, quietly a breakthrough season for Lacazette. Although he's a brilliant talent, he's perhaps showing that he is capable of playing at the, on the high stage to a consistent level and f- for a whole season and will still score goals on a consistent basis. So I think I think he, he looks brilliant and he, he looks like the best Lacazette that we've had for, for quite some time. So I've, I'm really impressed and hopefully he can be that, that French that French striker that perhaps will pace Benzema when Benzema moves along. He's not, obviously not in, anywhere near the France squad at the moment, given given the situation there. And obviously that that may change in the future, perhaps maybe when they get a new manager in. But um, f- for now, I'd like to see him being given a chance in that French team and give perhaps given a run in that central striker role, because I think there's a space there that someone can really make their own. I, I don't... I, I, I seem to talk about... We drew at people with Ethel Broder quite a lot about whether he's good enough and it's a, a common discussion, but... For France, I feel like either Kevin Gamero or Alexandre Lacazette in this form this season are a better option. And it would be great to see Lacazette give him that chance. I think he deserves it. And I think it, he's a type of player that could be France's central striker for many years to come. So I'd really like to see him give him the chance as soon as possible. A final question on European play then. Uh, Maxime Gonalon had been struggling for form this, this well, in the past month or so, really. Bruno Genesio was forced to assure that his captain would get the start to the media. Uh, was this a bit of redemption for the, for the Leon captain, Nathan? Uh, yes, a little bit. I thought he, he played pretty well in this game, especially especially against someone as good at, at the moment as Nainggolan, who has been excellent for Omer in the last couple of weeks. Um, and he's really the, the one who pulls the strings for them, especially going forward. So, yeah, it was really good to see him play it's always strange with Gonalog because he d- he never seems to quite do loads, but he always seems to be in the right place at the right time, even though in the last couple of weeks it's been mid- a little bit 
difficult and in the last month or so he's not quite found the form so yeah I, i'm i'm pleased that he's getting back to with uh, around especially with like Toussaint around him and, and i know you did a fantastic piece on him the other week eric that he's really growing into that role alongside him and, and he's adding that balance to the team i think it's allowing gonalon to slowly but surely find his more specific role in that midfield instead of cleaning up everyone's mess he's got someone next to him that's helping him there and i think that's really assisting him on reaching that next level uh again which we know he can be um and it's great to see in all honesty because he, he is a really good player that on his day leon really really need if they want to uh, push on in the europa league yeah i know we'd mentioned it a few times uh, about the threat of rising nine goal on i think he was pretty anonymous on the night and a lot of that was down to the play have gone along for me. So well done to Leon, uh, giving France a shred of hope <laughs> and not having their co- the coefficient dashed. I know Monaco are still to play City next week, but it's good to see a French a French side not only take this competition seriously, but do well in it. Uh, Leon had made the quarterfinals, I believe, in 2013-14. Uh, they look like they've got an excellent shot to uh, meet or exceed that performance. Uh, of course, depending on not only the reverse fixture, but who they get in the draw. So let's turn our attention now briefly to fly through the league. Uh, we did not do very well last week with our predictions. Uh, I had no correct results. Adam had no correct results. Nathan got one correct result draw between, between Bordeaux and Leon, but he picked a 3-3 draw. And there were certainly <sighs> enough chances to have it was close seen, that, seen that come off, but... It was 1-1. That does leave us uh, Adam on 51, Nathan on 52, myself on 64. But there are five matches we're going to fly through this week. Uh, let's start with a match from tomorrow. Uh, Adam coming to you. That's Marseille hosting Angers. Mar- Marseille are in good form, but so are Angers, having won, I believe, five straight in all competitions. Uh, there's huge pressure here with Leon potentially distracted given their result tonight. And Bordeaux also facing Monaco, not likely to pick up points. Uh, they could make a real statement of intent towards making themselves a Europa League contender once again. Bafis Gomez has been back in training. Is this a match to risk him, or does Rudy Garcia stick with the four-two-three-one that had done so well against Lorient last weekend? Yeah, it's it's something that he's going to have to seriously consider between in making his team selection for this game. I really feel that. Gomez is a very important player for them, given he's the only type of player, or the only player of that type, sorry, in the squad. So I'd I, I'd be careful with him coming into this game, given that Onshere is a very physical side, and risking him in, in in that sort of environment maybe maybe not worth it, given how well they played last week at Lorraine. Obviously, Lorraine are, are a poor side, and I, I feel I feel like they're they're edging towards that sort of that trapdoor marked league, duh. but. Uh, so it may be a bit of a sort of a false result that four-one win, but they were very good in that game, and Cabela played well in the in the in the central sort of false nine kind of kind of role. So if they can carry that momentum into this game, perhaps it is a game where they can avoid using Gomez, give him another week, get him, make sure he's fully fit, and make sure they can get him back into into the team. Garcia said something sort of odd in the press comments today. He kind of said we 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 can be we can be strong. We obviously well he kind of said we're gonna we are stronger with Gomez, but we've proven that we can also be stronger without him, which is an odd way to phrase it, but it, it, it kind of makes sense. They have proven that they can play they can play and play well without Batman Gomez in the side. Having said that, he's still a very, very important player and I'd I think if they can carry the mental from last week, as I said, keep Cabello in the team, 
give Gomez that extra bit of rest, get him back fighting for the rest of the season, and they can use this as a plan B. But if it's a plan B that can work tomorrow, why not? Maybe he can make an appearance off the bench if they need him. But for me, I'd, I'd, I'd you know, because he's so important, important and so unusual in terms of their squad, it might be worth being a bit more pragmatic here and saying let's let's go Cabela or and G up front because those those two are both very good players too and and it it it, it could easily be a a turning point for them if if they in the in a negative sense if they go and lose this game perhaps on chair yeah. you know have designs yeah. on Europe themselves so it's 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 a difficult decision but I personally like to see him keeping the team that played last week and we'll keep going for next week and they can really push on for the top five. All right, your score prediction then, Adam. War. It was a close game last season. I think Trevor Orange are actually winning it, perhaps. But 2 1 Marseille. All right. Nathan? Uh, 1 0. All right. I'll go with a 2 0 home victory for Marseille. Nathan, coming on to you, got another perhaps match that's flying under the radar, given all the European hoopla that we've seen in the past few days. But I think this is a really tasty match. Monaco hosting an inform Bordeaux. Monaco are certain to rotate players ahead of, ahead of the match with Manchester City at the weekend, or mid, next good week, but Bordeaux have no need to. Their next uh, non-Liga matches the Coupe de France in a month's time. Is this a potential pitfall for the leaders, especially with Nice likely to be level on points, having uh, been set to face Caen tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. And, and with PSG playing Lorient on Sunday as well, it, it really does put a little bit of pressure on Monaco to get a result here because it should Nice win and be level on points, and you can practically expect Paris Saint-Germain to probably get the three points in Brittany, then it's really imperative for Jardim to keep that pressure up on both of them by beating Bordeaux, which is no mean feat at the moment. I mean, only Paris Saint-Germain have managed to beat them so far in 2017, and they've been they've been really excellent. I thought they were pretty good against Lyon, although they were uh, pretty lucky on occasions. I mean... Um, they probably should have had a penalty, which might have been a, a, a better result. But at the same time, Varda's opener is offside. So you take one, you take the other. But they're really positive at the moment with some really interesting young players, like we've mentioned a number of times this week. So what do Monaco do? I mean, they they probably will rest a few players, but Glicks will definitely start because obviously he's, he won't make the Manchester City game through suspension. Um, what they decide to do mid midfield will be interesting, given that they'll probably want to play Fabinho and Bakayoko in that game. Um, same with up front, it'll be interesting to see which combination they decide to go for. It'll probably give a clue to what they decide to do in midweek. So yeah, it's 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 a real balancing act for Jardim because this is a tough game, and he'll know it because uh, that Bordeaux will let them know if they don't already quickly. So the hope for them is that they can get it over and done with very quickly but uh, at the moment this Bordeaux team is is not likely for that and what changes he decides to make are really important whether he maybe gives his players his full team out maybe for 60 minutes and hope that he can pull maybe two or three well hopefully get a result in that first hour and pull a couple of them off and take the points maybe that's his best bet in this one in all honesty because I don't know if Monaco are quite deep enough to make four or five changes in this one and really still have that fitness and maintain it for, for midweek. So, yeah, this could be a really tricky one. Yeah, I mean, we had some to make rotations and still get good results against Lille earlier in the season, but uh, that's without Boschilia. Guido <laughs> Corio is, is another one who's unavailable. So it, it's it's a slightly shallower squad. Adam Montreal has gone alone as well. So your prediction then, Nathan? 
I'm still going for a Monaco win. I think it'll be 2 1. All right. That's words out of my mouth. Uh, I'll go with 3 1. Adam? 3 0 Monaco for me. Okay. Now, Adam, sticking with you, we've also got a pretty intriguing match in Brittany. Uh, it's Bastia traveling to Gangamp. Gangamp have been Ligue 1's worst team in 2017. Five points from nine matches. This is a, and a win here would take Bastia out of the relegation zone, believe it or not. Is this the Corsican's best chance to get some space? And are they really as doomed as some would have had? I know we talked on Monday uh, during the regular show about relegation. Is this a chance for Bastia to pull clear, and can they survive? Um, I think it is. I think it is a chance to pull clear. Gengar have been, although we, we, I remember on the, sort of the halfway point show, we talked about our sort of surprises and our awards for the season, season and sort of the manager so far, and, and Anton Kambayo was, was very much up there. Since that point, it's obviously it's very very sort of facetious to say, but his his kind of stock in in terms of this season at least has, has dropped a little bit. Gangor haven't been anywhere near as as impressive as they were in the first half of the season, which is is a little bit disappointing. Down down in eleventh, when we talked about on that show, or perhaps it was around that time where you, uh, you may have even asked me the question whether it was likely Angers would step, and they're now above above Gangon. So it kind of shows sort of conflicting fortunes of 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 both those two sides. So given Gangon's form, I I feel like. And Bastia's sort of new manager bounce. They've, they've been very good in the last couple of games. At least they've that fight and that that sort of sense of organisation has, has returned to, to to the Bastia team. So I think this is a really good opportunity for them to get to get three points. Even if they were to win this game, they'd only be up to sort of level on points of Nancy. So it's not. Then it's unlikely they're gonna they're gonna pull too far away from from the position they're in at the moment. But. Whether I think they can stay up, yeah, I think absolutely they do. I think, that, like I said, that the new manager has really had a very noticeable effect. The Ciccolini's reign was a bit, was a bit limp, perhaps in by Bastia's, Bastia's terms, and 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 they sort of got a little bit, a little bit sort of rough around the edges, and it, it kind of all kind of fell apart. But um, I know speaking to Andres about about the the chap that's come in, um, he, he's very impressed with the way he's gone about. Um, managing the squad and his his record looks 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 impressive. So I think it might be the classic new manager bounce around this time of the season would be enough to keep Bastia in the league. Um, I'd honestly back them too. I think especially with the relegation playoff, I don't see them finishing in the bottom two. So at the worst for them, I think 18th, and they they might sort of scrape through a relegation a relegation playoff. So I I would back them to step, and I'd back them to get a result of some description here. They're traditionally a very poor team away from home. Um, but this season, that's not necessarily been the case. Their away form has been, you know, not not by no means good, but it's incomparable to their to their to their home form. So, I think that's up, and I think this is a good opportunity for them to to continue that positive positive bounce under the new manager, and hopefully not get anybody sent off this week, and um, and uh, <laughs> maybe maybe you know nick a point at least. So, I think they'll be fine this season. Nicolas Sanruf has been suspended for four matches at High Buddha. I think that's I think that's harsh. Um, it, didn't, it felt like he didn't really. It was. It was. It was almost unfortunate that incident. It was obviously very, very distressing. You know, Padre was seriously, you know, was seriously hurt. But it felt like it was. It was an unfortunate incident rather than any malice behind it. Yeah, well, but still, nevertheless, player safety must be considered. I'll go with of course, one, of course. one draw here. Uh, Adam, yourself? Uh, I'll go nil nil. All right, Nathan. Two nil Gangon. Bastia play to be sent off. <laughs> All right, Nathan. Nathan for the combination there. Uh, we've got another match between between a Breton team that's been in poor form this year and a relegation candidate. Uh, Nathan, that's Ren hosting Dijon, and Dijon are facing a team that have won just once this calendar year in the league, and they've drifted from a run at Europe, fourth place at one point. 
Injuries have certainly played their part here, but can Ren kiss Europe goodbye without a result here? Um, absolutely. I, I personally think that they might be a little bit too far off already. I mean, they would need results to start going their way. And yes, Santa Tina probably slipping slowly towards them. But with Toulouse being a little bit better, Angers playing better at the moment, uh, Marseille, Bordeaux and Lyon still above them in those places as well. I, I don't think they've got enough. And we mentioned this when when the winter window ended as well, that losing Paul Jos and Tep and losing Grosicki, uh, they let Pedro Enrique leave as well, although he, he was significantly less important. But they had such a depth in the wings and now they ha seem to have no one at all. I mean, they don't seem to start Diacarbe, which is what we all called for as well, and that's not happened. Giovanni Sio is a middling player at best in the fact that he sometimes scores goals. Uh, but the majority of the time he doesn't score goals. Um, Wesley Saeed has done a little bit better um, in recent weeks at least, but I, I, they just don't have enough going forward. They're just an uninteresting attacking team anymore. They don't really play with any verve. Um, it looks like a rebuild job for me in the summer that they they look to their academy that's brought so many great players like Nyanyon looks very, very good. Um, and obviously it's brought Dembele in the past. Maybe they look there. Maybe they look for a couple of bargains as well to fill this team out because there's just it just seems like a, a husk of what it could have been, especially from the start of the season and from the end of last season as well. So it's it's a real disappointment for them. And this, in my opinion, is a real chance for Dijon, who are a much more attacking team. And if they can get a goal or a couple of goals, I don't think Ren will be the kind of team to come back for them. So... Um, with the style that Dijon play with Diony and, and Tavares, um, they might have a real chance in this one, I think. All right. And Adam, what would be your prediction for this? I'm going to go nil-nil. All right. Nathan? I'm going to go 2-0 Dijon. Dijon the road, win. And then uh, I'll go with a 1-1 draw. Seems to be the vogue result for Ren of late. Uh, finally, Adam, coming to you, we have... What may be, by some measures, the biggest match of the weekend, at least with its implications towards relegation, that's Nancy hosting Lille. Hmm. Both of these teams really could use three points. Who's more likely to come out of their shell in this encounter? Well, it's it's a. Uh, I think it's time for. <laughs> I think it's time for for Lille to really show that, that those attacking players they signed in the summer. Oh, in the summer, sorry, in the window. Sorry, in the winter window. It's really time for them to start hitting the hitting the ground and having hitting the ground running and having having that effect that we wanted them to have um, in the first first few games. Obviously, Zeka and, and Algazi have been okay, but there's they've made so many signings and a lot of them haven't really come off so far. So you would hope that if anyone's going to sort of you know come out of their shell a little bit, it would be it would be Lille. But um, compared to Nancy as well, it feels like there's not much of an option there because Nancy are very much struggling to score goals. It feels like they've they're sort of devoid of a central striker. I mean, Correa, the tinker man of Liga and this season, has has tried a number of players in that central striker role. And none of them have really been given a, too much of a chance. Cora played there last week. The the Mandans played there on and off. And Mahaji's been started the season okay and, and is petered out. They, they, they don't have a, a viable option in this league to score even five, six goals in that from that position. They're sort of relying on Issa Dia. And uh, yeah, Benassa's got a, got a couple as well. They really are struggling to score goals. The fact they've got less than Nantes, uh, than Nantes is, is, you know, is quite really quite something. So it, it, you would hope that it would be Lille that, that would take the, this game by the scruff of the neck and, and some of those attacking players would perhaps get more of a chance against Nancy, who 
after a very good mid-season, it seemed to be that kind of that kind of peak that that zenith of their their performances this season, where Correa really adapted to the league and they they sort of will performances and results into into from from his team. Sorry, that Leo will be the ones to take this game by Sofneck against a, a, honestly a, to be harsh, perhaps a little bit, but a weaker opposition arguably apart from Lauren, the, the weakest team in in the division. So it's, it might not be a game of too many goals, but. Um, I think this will be one that if Lille don't win, then they'll be looking over their shoulders a little bit more at that, that bottom, that five, bottom four or five at the, behind them. So you would hope that this is this is the time they get that win. It was a good win at Con as well. Unfortunately, against Bordeaux, kind of lost it a bit. But yeah, for, for me, this one has to be a, a Lille win and it really is to be a game they have to really target to, to get those three points because I don't see Bielsa managing a league duh. So um, yeah, for, for me, Lille really need to target this game and go for those three points. Nathan? Uh, I think I'll pick you up. Oh, sorry, yeah, I was going to say I'll pick up, piggyback off uh, Adam's point that this game will probably literally have no goals, so a goalless draw. All right, uh, I myself will go with a one-nil Lille win, and Adam. Oh, it's a difficult one. Two-nil Lille. Two goals for Lille. All right, a rarity mm. these days. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you very much, gents. Uh, certainly, a lot to talk about uh, in French football this week. I think PSG has become a de rigueur story for all of all of European football. And there's, we could have easily had a show twice this length talking about PSG and their pitfalls, their future, and all that. But that is all for this week. Please do follow us on Twitter at GFFN and visit our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. Nathan will, of course, be back on Monday from 8 o'clock UK with the main show. We will also be back next week on Thursday to to recap the international call-ups as well as the European action next week. That is all for now. For Nathan Staples and Adam White, I've been Eric Devin. Thank you very much and have a pleasant weekend.